anything that we're struggling with on the outside or anything that we're struggling with on the inside. It's good to know that God is bigger than that. In fact, point at somebody and tell them God's bigger than that. Whatever it is that you have in your mind, whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is that has you bound up in your mind right now, I want you to understand and appreciate that our God, he is bigger than that. He is more. He is bigger. He is greater than anything. Why don't you put your hands together again and give God praise for that. I thank God that he is larger than any of my problems. Can I pray with you this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. Lord, we thank you for reminding us of how integral we are to your purpose. You woke us up today for a reason. You woke us up because we yet have purpose inside of us. Lord, Lord there are even yet things that you have planted in us that have not come, have not fully been grown, that have not come to pass. Promises that you've made to us that we have not come through on. Lord, even, Lord, you even had a purpose and a design for us that we have not reached the fullest of our potential. But Lord, you gave us another day, another chance, another opportunity. Lord, to try a little harder, to, to pray a little more, Lord, to read your word a little more, to give us another opportunity to be more faithful, to be more thankful, to be more grateful. And for that, Lord, we just give you the glory and the honor on this morning. Lord, help us, Lord, in our areas of weakness. Lord, where we lack faith, Lord, help us, Lord. Lord, help us where we lack determination, where, where we lack perseverance. Lord, where our human frailties are calling us to come short of your standard, Lord, you help us in our areas of weakness. Lord, you said when we're weak, Lord, then we are strong in you. Why? Because we are learning to lean and depend on you even more. Help us, Lord, to depend on you so that we can be strong, not of ourselves, but Lord, because we carry this treasure in earthen vessels, that the glory of God is not of us, but Lord, it's in us because you are working through us. And Lord, we ask all these things in our mighty son, Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Come on, put those hands together as you are seated. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. And for those who are joining us virtually, we praise God for you on this morning for being with us. There are many places you could have cho chose to join and stream with, but you've chosen us this morning, and for that we are grateful and we are thankful. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord, to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be looking at verses 25 through 34. Again, that's Matthew chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 25 through 34. We're... we're, we're ministering along our theme for this year which is loading that means we're anticipating we're waiting with expectation and we're believing what God is about to do in our lives not believing him for the things that we, he's already done for our target scripture in Romans 8 and 25 says why do we have to believe God for that which we've already seen but we're believing God for that which we have not seen and we do with hope wait for it Again, that's Matthew chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 25 through 34, and we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And the word of the Lord there in Matthew 6 and 25 reads like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, 
what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, yet they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles sink after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. I like that. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and minds during this destiny moment. Lord, allow this word of yours to push us towards your promise, to align us with our purpose, and to show us the path that you would have us to take. Most of all, do not allow us to leave this moment unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I want to talk to you for a few moments about, from the topic, just wait, don't worry. Just wait, don't worry. When I say just wait, don't worry, there, the, the, the instruction there is that while you're waiting, you should not be worrying. There is a way to wait. There is a manner in which you should wait, and it does not involve worry. When I thought about this topic, I thought about a poem someone once penned relative to the subject. It's called In or Out of Water. It said, all the water in the world, however hard it tried, could never, never sink a ship unless it got inside. All the hardships of this world might wear you pretty thin, but they won't hurt you one least bit unless you let them in. Just wait. Don't worry. A few epigrams, a few thoughts on worrying is that worry is the advance interest you pay on troubles that seldom come. You're paying in advance for something that might not even come in your direction. A good memory test, and I like this one, I like this one a lot. A good memory test, what were you worrying about this time last year? Most of us cannot even imagine or think what that was, but yet we're allowing that to occupy our time. And here I like this one, and I'll leave you with this one before we move on. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. The beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. So if there are things for which we are anxious for no purpose, things for which we are anxious to no end, the way you have that come to an end is by making sure we have true faith in God. One of the first things I want to tell you about worrying is worrying disconnects us from God. Worrying disconnects us from God. Take thought, the, the, the word from the Greek in worry it means dread, fear, personal distress, feeling of impending doom, 
unnecessary attention paid to physical needs or carnal concerns. Numbers 14 and 11 says, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will they before they believe me? For all the signs which I have shown them, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation, mightier than they. That's what God's instruction was to Moses, simply because the children of Israel, despite all the signs that he had shown them in delivering them from Egypt, yet worried and were concerned and had fear relative to what God had for them, what God was making available for them. We shared on last week, and here in this scripture, it comes to us again, Revelation 21 and 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, and then it says the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and idolaters and such shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire. I'm telling you, worrying disconnects us from God. And if you don't get that, then you ought to get Hebrews 11 and 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is not possible, despite all the other things that we might do. It is not possible to please God without faith. That means our works come to nothing if they operate without faith. That means you can come to church every Sunday, stay here till every last second of the service is complete. But if you don't believe, those are works without faith. And it's impossible to please God. Many times we struggle with the concept, well, how will a good God send good people to hell? But, but you can do all the good deeds you think are good, but if you lack faith, it is not possible to please God. What I'm telling you is worrying disconnects us from God. So if we're disconnected from God, then we're disconnected from our purpose. We're disconnected from the plan he has for our life. We're disconnected for the blessings that he has made available for us. We're disconnected from his promises. We just might as well be like the prodigal son who's left the house. Because when you worry, it's incumbent. It's the same concept as leaving God's house. Leaving the place of blessing, leaving the position that God told you to be in when you start worrying and lack faith. You are no longer in position to discharge your purpose. You're no longer in position to receive the blessings that God has promised you. Worrying disconnects us from God. Second thing I want to tell you is that worrying comes with imaginary storms. I want you to get these. I hope someone's writing these down. Worrying comes with imaginary storms. See, when it talks about worrying, I think about hypochondriacs or hypochondria. It refers to an excessive preoccupation or worry about having a serious illness, even when the person does not have it. There are even certain diseases that they name about people who have a, a, a disease and they've given it a medical name, but not because they have a physical ailment, but because they have a mental basic disorder that causes them to believe constantly that they have a medical issue. Yeah. It's not there, but they have a mental disease that causes them to believe that they have a physical problem. That is a medical diagnosis that they now give people, and it's built upon worry. It's built upon contemplation that something is going bad even when it's not. But they'll also tell you in the medical field, if you believe long enough that you have something, then you'll get it. <laughs> you keep thinking you're hurting, then you'll start hurting. And then, then your worrying will cause you to have more pain, to have more distress. 
Sometimes people, some, especially people who, who struggle with blood, high blood pressure can tell you this. Sometimes you get high blood pressure when you go to get it tested. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> because you're worrying and contemplating that your blood pressure is going to be high. And your worrying causes your blood pressure to go up. So sometimes, oftentimes they'll tell you to sit. Hold on, we'll test it again. Let you wait, calm down. It's okay. De-stress. <laughs> Because your mind is creating a physical problem in your body. Your worrying has the capacity to present you with imaginary storms. Trials that have the apprehension of harm, but actually cannot hurt you. It's equivalent to what David said in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Some of us are walking through the shadows and the shadows are causing us to worry to the degree that we're giving teeth to things that do not have the power to touch us. Because I want to let you know, somebody says, well, I walked through the valley of the shadow. Baby, you are always walking through the valley of the shadow. Doesn't mean that it has the power to touch you. It doesn't have the ability to harm you, but, but the shadows are everywhere. The problem is, how do you react to the shadows? Does the shadow cause you to change your path? And that's exactly what the devil wants to do. The devil doesn't have the power to force you to go up the mountain. But he can cause the shadow of the mountain to fall upon you to cause worry in your own heart. You begin to see the shadow and you're like, I'm going to have to climb that mountain. When it's all an illusion that the devil has set up for you to, to touch and challenge your faith. And God allows the challenges to your faith because he knows if you come through the challenge, your faith is going to be stronger. told you the other week, I said, you can't can't tell any, well, we we use improper English here, but you can't tell nobody nothing when God brought you through something. You can't tell tell them nothing. Because when God brought you through something, you're you're not going to be dissuaded by somebody who tells you that God's not real. Baby, I, I know he's real. Because I have experienced it for myself. So you can keep throwing up your shadows all you want to. I've been through the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, God took me through the mountain. God took me through the impossible. So I'm not worried about a shadow. I wish I had some. I wish I had some help this morning. But because I've been through scary situations and God brought me out of that when I was actually in peril. When I was actually in the hospital and they, I didn't think I was going to make it out, God, God brought me out of that, so I'm not worried about a shadow. Can you imagine the amount of faith that Lazarus must have had once Jesus raised him from the dead? Come on in here with me now. Lazarus said, I'm the only man walking right now who, who attended his own funeral. <laughs> I've been to a funeral. It was my funeral. They read, they, they read my obituary. They, I heard my own eulogy. They, they, they buried me and, they, and they, for four days they thought I was dead by Jesus. I tell you something about when Jesus calls your name because you can be wrapped up, laid up on a slab dead. But when Jesus calls your name, everything that they declared over you might actually be true. But when Jesus calls your name. Your reputation might have you in the dumps, but baby, Jesus still can call your name. No matter what I've been through, no matter what I've suffered, no matter what I'm struggling with right now, when Jesus calls your name, I wish I had a few witnesses out there. Then the songwriter had the audacity to say, yet and still he's calling 
my name. I, 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 I made mistakes. I've made errors. I, I, I'm, in fact, I might be in the middle of my error right now, but yet he's calling my name. I, I might be in the middle of my storm and my trial right now, but yet he is still calling my name. And I came to just encourage somebody right here in the sanctuary, somebody who's watching us virtually. I want to let you know that Jesus is still calling your name. And when he calls your name, there is nothing that is impossible to you. Lazarus said, if he can call me out of death, he can call you out of debt. I wish I, wish, I, wish I had help here. If he can call me out, out of the grave, he can call you out of relationship troubles. If he can call me out of my, my death state, my, my state where my body had already begun to decay. If he can call me out of that, he can call you out of any situation that seems impossible to you. I came to tell somebody, Jesus is still calling your name. Still calling your name. So why, why do I worry? Why, why, why do I fret? Why do I fear? Because my God, he has never failed me yet when he calls me. He quickens me. He empowers me to come out of wherever I am. That's the testimony that Lazarus must have had. So I want to let you know that even when you're in the face of the shadow of death, when you're in the face of imaginary storms, just remember that worry is what brought you out, but faith can bring you out. So I told you, first of all, I said, don't Worrying disconnects us from God. Secondly, worrying creates imaginary storms. But the third thing I want to tell you about is worrying doesn't work. Worrying takes up your time, but it does not work. It is ineffective. I'm reminded that I'm a person that asks questions. That's the nature of, of who I am. I, I don't know. That's just maybe how I was raised. And my parents often tell me, even when I was young and didn't know anything, I still ask questions. But that's, that's the way I perceive the world. And I was in a meeting one time, and then this expert was telling us how a child, they were trying all of these different uh, ways to help this child. And they was like, yeah, you're going to need to do this, and yeah, you're going to need to do that to help this child. And I asked one simple question. I asked all these things that you're doing, do they work? And it's like the meeting paused for a moment. And it's like they, they were trying all these interventions and all these different things with this child, but it just wasn't working. So then I asked the follow-up question, why are we going through the effort to try all of these things that aren't working? And you'll find this on your job, and this is something that eminently frustrates me, that sometimes we do things for the sake because somebody said that was a good idea, but does it work? Remember, I was at one job in social work, and we, they started putting us on all this documentation, and we were documenting more than we were working. And I'm like, we're spending more time documenting what we should be doing rather than actually doing it. <laughs> I'm writing about it, but... I'm not working, so what I'm doing cannot be working. Can't work because I'm just documenting stuff. Because you want the documentation, you're more focused on that than the work. And that's what worrying is. Worrying is something that occupies your time and makes you feel like you're doing something, but it does not work. It is not effective. And why am I, well, I, we know this just, just generally, but the Bible tells us that. And, and Jesus says, which of you by worrying? 
by taking thought can add one cubit to a stature. What you do by worrying can, can impact your situation or your circumstances. Worrying gets you nowhere. But the, but the problem with worrying, it's like empty calories. Worrying gives you the concept in your mind that you're working through a problem, but it's actually just taking up your time and accomplishing nothing. Let me say that again. Worrying gives you the false concept that you are mentally working through a problem when actually you are accomplishing nothing. So then you can say to yourself, I thought about the problem. Yeah, you thought about it, but you were just worrying. You didn't solve it. And I've gotten to the stage and I, I, I've gotten to an age where I, I, don't, I don't participate in sessions where people just talk about the problem and we're not talking about solving the problem. Because I, I told you how I value my time. I value my time like I value my money. In fact, more than my money because I can get my money back, but I can't get my time back. Okay. So that's why when people call me on the phone, these, these telemarketers, and I know I don't want it, I'm very nice to them. I appreciate the call. I am not interested. God bless you. Because you're not going to take up my time. Because my time, I, I wish I had a few witnesses. My, my time is valuable. By a similar notion, I'm not going to sit at work and we're not going to talk for an hour about a problem and we're not talking about solutions. Let's not talk about how bad something is unless we're going to also talk about how we can solve that problem. And if we don't have any ideas on how to solve the problem, then we need to table that discussion and discuss something else that we have the ability to change. And the same thing we need to do in our lives, because sometimes you don't have the answer. You're not even in a mindset to think about solutions. So you need to table that discussion for another time and talk about something else, because if you don't, you'll keep worrying Wasting your time and accomplishing nothing. You don't have time to worry. Bottom line, you do not have time to worry. There are too many other things that I need to accomplish in life. There are too many other things that God desires me to do. I cannot waste my time, my emotions, or my mental energy on something that is just going to cause me to worry. Now, when I have solutions to the problem, then we'll talk about it. When we have solutions to that, then I'll think about it. But until then, I'm not going to sit there and worry about a situation and cause it to drain my health, my mental energy, and my time. Worrying simply does not work. Say it with me. Worrying simply does not work. So why waste my time? Why do I allow worry to be the black hole in my life that sucks up all my energy, sucks up all of my emotions, and sucks up all of my time? I'm going to spend my time, my energy, and my emotions on those things where I can be effective, impactful, and actually get something accomplished. Worrying is a waste of time. And that's what the, what the Bible says. In fact, if you think about worrying, I think about people who don't worry. Thinking about Martha, when, 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 when Mary was going to the feet of Jesus, she was sitting there and, and she was sucking up the word. She was sucking up everything she could about God, about God, about her Savior. Because for one thing, she had time, but Jesus didn't. Jesus was on a mission. Jesus had to die for the sin of the world. He had to be the lamb that was sacrificed for our sin. She may not have appreciated it at the time, but she didn't have a lot of time with Jesus. 
So am I going to spend my time, the limited time I have with Jesus, sitting at his feet and listening to his word? Or am I going to be in the kitchen washing his dishes? Am I going to be in the kitchen preparing the table? But Martha was doing all of those things. But, but then she fussed at Mary or asked Jesus to fuss on her behalf and said, can you tell Mary to come help me? And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good portion. She has chosen the, the thing that you don't worry about, but rather the thing that is impactful, that is effective. The thing that actually works. Because you being in the kitchen worrying about what she's doing does not work. But her sitting at my feet and listening to my word is effective. It is impactful. It can change her life. And if we simply have the focus of Mary and, and, and abort the frivolousness the frivolity of Martha, then we can have an impactful change on our own lives. Worrying simply does not work. Some of you are still stressed out right now because you're too busy worrying about things you cannot change. And other times you're worrying, you're nosy, and you're worrying about other people. We're spending our time worrying about what other people are doing. If worrying doesn't work for you, guess what, baby? It don't work for other people either. Doesn't work when you project your worry in someone else's direction. Being nosy, wondering what they're doing. Some of you all are frustrated right now because you're worrying about people that you're mad at. Worrying about getting back at people who did you wrong. You're waiting for other people like, like, the, like the, uh, those aboriginal people were waiting on Paul, those, those indigenous people. When, remember when Paul was shipwrecked and he went to the fire and then he reached in and the viper latched onto his hand. And, the, and the Abner, they didn't try and help him. They were waiting for him to swell up and die. And some of you are sitting by the fire looking at somebody else, watching their social media, looking at their Instagram, trying to see what's happening in their life on Facebook. You're waiting on them to swell up and die. Because they did you wrong. Because you're mad at them. If worrying doesn't work inwardly in your direction, it doesn't work outwardly in someone else's direction. It doesn't work. It simply does not work. You're wasting your time. And what did I tell you? You don't have time to worry. You don't have time to worry about your own problems. And you certainly don't have time to worry about someone else's. You don't have time to worry. And even if you did... Worrying does not work. It's ineffective. I'm wasting my time. Fourth thing I want to tell you about worrying is worrying distracts us from our own purpose. While you're worrying about somebody else, you're not concentrating on your purpose. I told you you don't have time to worry because if you're spending time worrying, then you're not working on your purpose. How can I worry about what you're doing and why? Uh, how can I worry about my own problems and still spend time building what God has intended for me to build? Remember, remember the one who had one talent? He was so worried about the one who was given five talents and the one that was given two talents that he did nothing with his own talent. He got his talent buried and he's like, mm, I wonder what he's doing with those two talents. I should have had two talents. I should have had two talents. I've been saved longer than he, he had. Yeah, why he get two talents? 
And you know, I don't know why they gave him five talents. I know his mama now. I know. He, don't even, he must not know how his family is. If he, he don't even know how he acted in high school. Why are you going to give him five and not give me five? But he only gave me one. Spending all that time worrying about somebody else and not attending to what God has given you. You don't have time to worry. Because worrying distracts you from your own purpose. I can't, I can't look over the fence in your garden and water mine at the same time. I, I, I can't step around the fence to see how green your grass is and, and still attend to mine. It's distracting me from my purpose. What the words say here? Verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of, of God. Be about God's business and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. He's saying you got, you got, well, you say the cart before the horse. You got it backwards. You're worrying about the things that are automatically going to be added and you're forsaking your purpose to seek God's kingdom. He's saying, if you seek my kingdom, then the other things shall be added. I wish I had, I wish I had help here. God said he's going to bless you with a car, but you're sitting there worried about the price of gas. Oh, what am I, what am I going to do? And you worried about gas and you don't even have a car. Come on with me now. You, you going, you walking by the tank. Notice I said walking, walking by the tank. Checking on gas prices. And God is directing you to go to the dealership because he's going to bless you with the car. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all these things shall be. If God's going to bless you with a car, don't you trust him to bless you with some gas? The same God that blessed me with the vehicle is going to bless me with some gas money. Baby, if you don't have that much faith, let me talk to you. If he can do that thing, I know he can do that. And in fact, God's done so much for me already. Doesn't God have a little credit? I wish I, I, does God have a little credit with you? Where you, he's earned the right for you to trust him? Songwriter said, that's what all the songwriter's saying is that I trust God. He said, I, I, I don't believe he's brought me this far. Believe me, that, that means I, I, I trust by his history. I trust by what he's done in the past. That whatever he's promised me, he's going to make sure that I can maintain whatever he gives me. For the blessing of the Lord make it rich and added no sorrow with it. If he gave it to me, if he blessed me with it, if he declared it's going to happen in my life, God has the power to help me maintain whatever he gave In fact, God, he prepares you for stuff that you don't even know is coming. <laughs> he prepares you in advance for things that you didn't even know was coming. I told you David was on a lunch run and he had his knapsack with him with a few biscuits in it to take it to his brothers. And when he gets to the front line with his brothers, he sees the, the giant out there being defiant to God. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would dare remark against the Lord our God? 
And he said, won't somebody go out there and challenge him about what he's saying about us and what he's saying about our God? And David said, well, I, I didn't come here to fight. I didn't have my sword and shield with me. He said, but I do have my slingshot with me. And I see a few smooth stones right here in the creek. What I'm telling you is God will prepare you in advance for even the thing you don't know that's coming. God's making you ready, not for the level you're on right now, but for the level he's about to take you to. You don't understand your storm right now. But God said, you don't have to understand it. But he said, I'm making you ready for things you have not seen. And now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Somebody say, oh! Somebody say it again. Somebody say, oh! Oh! Everyone standing to your feet, oh! Oh! Oh, you can ask. Oh, you can ask. Think. Or imagine. Oh, you can ask. Oh, you can think. And oh that you can imagine. So what is a good time to worry? Somebody say never. Never a good time to worry. But you know what it's a good time for? To give thanks. It's a good time. It's a good time to give thanks. For the word says in everything. Oh, come on, say it with me. Somebody say everything. In everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So if I'm spending my time giving thanks, I don't have time to worry. If I'm spending my energy giving thanks, I don't have energy to worry. If I'm focusing my emotion in the arena of giving thanks, then I don't have the emotional energy to worry. Because in everything, I'm giving God the glory. In everything, I'm giving God the praise. In everything, I'm giving thanks for. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That, that means if I'm giving thanks in everything, if my energy is focused there, if my time is focused there, that also helps me to remain in the right posture. I stay in the right posture when I'm giving God thanks because my heart is open and my hands are lifted and I'm looking toward heaven. I'm seeking his face and not his hands because I'm giving God thanks. That is the posture that I want to maintain. If I want to receive from God, I have to stay in the right posture. I have to stay in the right place. I have to pursue his purpose for my life because his will for me is to give him the glory, to give him the honor, to give him the praise. You remember 
when the children of Israel were in battle and Moses, he was up on the hill. He was looking down on the children of Israel and it said every time he lifted up his hands, they began to surge and go forward and be victorious in battle. But it's only when he dropped his hands that they began to lose. God was letting him know and letting us know that there is a posture to this thing. There's a posture, there is a position to this thing, to be in position to receive what God desires from you. So I can't drop my posture to worry. Oh, I wish you were here with me. I can't, I can't drop my posture to, to, to be concerned about those things that I have no power over. But one thing I know is that God is always in control. I can keep my hands up because my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. I can keep my hands up because my God, he de- desires that I may prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. So I can keep my hands up. I can keep my hands up because we know. Somebody say it with me. We know that all things. Oh, somebody say, I want you to speak this over your own circumstance. Say all things. Work together for the good of them that love the Lord. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Lord, help us right now in this moment, Lord. Lord, help us right now in this season, Lord. Help us right now, wherever we might be in our situation or in our storm. Lord, help us to maintain a posture of worship. Help us to maintain a a posture and an attitude of praise and thankfulness to you. Because you've declared we should do so in everything. Help us, Lord. Encourage us. and, And Lord, touch our faith in areas where we're weak. So that we can give you the praise in the storm. We can give you the praise through the turmoil. We can give you the praise when we get negative news. Because we know that you're yet working those things for our good. And for that, Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. And we give you the praise right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching this virtually, we praise God for you until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.